Okay, we're in a, I'm going to do a two-week two series called Turning Your Liabilities into Assets. And it's really practical. And I'll guarantee you, if you listen closely, you'll walk out of here with at least one or two ideas to increase the value of what you possess, what you are, what you know, something inside. Very helpful, okay? Very practical, not complicated. Proverbs 21, 20. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of a wise man but a foolish man wastes it. So treasure is something of value. Desirable means something to take pleasure in, to delight in. So there is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise man or woman, but a foolish man squanders it. Now notice something interesting. Both the wise and the foolish have desirable treasure, but their attitudes and responses are different. The wise man converts his treasure, the foolish man wastes it. To squander means to waste. So the issue isn't treasure. Both the wise and the foolish have it. The issue is what you do with it. Each of us has some desirable treasure, and you're either desiring for more and converting it and delighting in it, or you're foolish and you're wasting the treasure God has given to you. So let's look at a story in the Bible about a woman who's able to move her life from liability to asset by the way she responded to her treasure. And listen, every one of us, all of us, at some time or another, will be faced with a liability. You may or not have chosen it, but now you've got it and you're responsible for it. So we go over to 2 Kings chapter 4, first seven verses. 2 Kings chapter 4 first seven verses. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. <laughs> I'm just thinking, kind of funny. There are probably some wives in here that could say that about their husband. <laughs> I think my husband's dead. <laughs> what a testimony. All right. My husband is dead. And you know he revered the Lord. But now the creditors are coming to take my two boys to satisfy the loan. Elijah replied unto her, how can I help you? You know, what do you want? Uh, by the way, Jesus asked a guy 13, uh, was it 13 years at the pool of Bethesda? Been laying there? And he says, what do you want? Do you want to be well? You know, you ought to ask that question because he might have said, no, I just need a warmer blanket. No, I just need uh, something else. I need a, a handicapped parking sticker. I, I need whatever. But Jesus was careful. Even a blind man walked up to him, Bartimaeus. And Jesus said, what do you want? The dude's blind. But that may not be what he wanted. He might have wanted something else. Maybe he wanted, as I said, warmer clothes. Maybe he wanted some money. Maybe the issue wasn't his eyes at all. It's interesting. First question, what do you want? What do you want, really want? He said, how can I help you? Then he said, question number two, what do you have? What do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elijah says, okay, go around to all of your neighbors and gather as many empty vessels as you can. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, and then pour out the oil into the vessels, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Hey, bring me another vessel. But he replied, 
there is no vessel left and the oil stopped flowing. Okay, hang on to that thought. So she went and told the man of God and he says, good for you, Gladys. Go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what's left over. So, okay, listen, the husband dies. We're not told why. He leaves his wife a liability. Debt had accumulated while her husband was alive, and now the creditors want to be paid. She had no money. She's about to lose her two boys into slavery to satisfy the debt. This was Old Testament uh, behavior. Every person at some point or another will be faced with a liability. Sometimes you're born with one. Sometimes your own poor choices create a liability for you. And sometimes liabilities come as a result of the action of other people. In cases of a national disaster, a tornado, a flood, the COVID uh, pandemic, you can inherit a liability that's not your own choice. It just happened, and now, like everybody, you got to deal with it. There are people born into poverty. Maybe their parents did choose it, but the child didn't. They're just born into it. Some people are born into families with problems not of their own making. Every parent transfers their liability to their kids. If your father was a drunk, you inherit a liability. If your parent was a criminal, you inherit a liability. Y'all listen, right? You with me? All right. If you're raised by a, a single parent, you inherit a little bit of a liability you didn't choose. You know, I grew up in a family divorced five times, raised by different relatives. I didn't choose that. I just had to deal with it. Some of you too as well, right? Everybody gets a liability. Yeah, the person next to you as well. The person you think has a silver spoon and no problems at all, they got a liability. Everybody gets a liability. We're equal opportunity receivers of liabilities. <laughs> but how we deal with it, that's what separates us. We've got some people in our church who are from the Middle East. They're American citizens. They are Bible-believing Christians, but people will still discriminate against them because of terrorism in the Middle East. It's a liability they can't help, and they didn't choose. Let me tell you something. Don't put your nose down on other people from other cultures and other races because you didn't choose to be born. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose your color. You didn't choose the culture you were born into or the race you were born into. You didn't get to choose it. It just happened. You ought to be saying, God, thank you that I had at least a, a home that didn't kill me and I got to live in a country where I had a lot of liberty and opportunity because many young people don't have that. It's a liability. That's one you don't have, see? We even inherit certain genetic traits from our parents that affect us as we age we didn't choose. So this woman inherits liability she didn't choose. She goes to the prophet Elisha with her complaint. She says, the creditors have come to take my two boys as payment for the debt we owe. Now, it's interesting. The first thing the old prophet does is not pray for her or prophesy. The prophet's first response was a question. What do you want? What shall I do for you? See, problems don't solve themselves. It's the desire for an answer that attracts the answer to the problem. Answers are for people who go out and seek them. So the prophet said, what shall I do for you? So the first question, do you have a desire from God? What do you want? Second question, what do you have? What do you have in your house or your life? In Exodus 4, verse 2, Moses is full of excuses. And God's trying to get him to go on a, a mission to Pharaoh to get his people free. And he, 
he complains, he can't talk, he stutters, all these problems. And God just asked one question. What you got in your hand, Mose? A stick. You can have one. they just everywhere. This is a stick. That stick became the rod of God. It might be an eighth grade education. It might be, well, I had an abortion and I'm single and I've got a child. Give it to me. It might be a McDonald's little snack, five loaves, two God says, give it to me. Your little becomes much when you give it to God. It becomes much. So the prophet's saying, no matter how far down you go, no matter how bleak the circumstances seem, there's still something you have. There's something you know. No one can take that from you. Something you can do. Nobody can take that from you. And something you have. You've got to learn to recognize that. You can fall to the lowest point in life, but there's still something you have. You will always have something. And the prophet discerns that in spite of how pitiful this little widow situation was and how sad her life was, she's got to be led to discover what she's neglecting. The key to your victory always lies within you. And the resources you need to break away from where you are to where you want to be are always available. You've got to recognize them. Since God created the earth, he hasn't added anything to it. After six days, he ended creative works and he rested. He still works today in changing people, but God hadn't created another deposit of oil or another vein of gold. Whatever's needed is available, and he isn't going to create anything else. Every resource you need has already been created. So what do you have in your house, he asked this woman. And listen, whatever you have is good enough to start with. It's usually simple, common, easy to ignore. Remember, there's desirable treasure in the dwelling of the wise, but the foolish, he's got it too, but he squanders it. So the woman had treasure, but she couldn't recognize it. And you have something you're wasting because it's common. You have something you're wasting because it's always available. So to you, it's lost its value because it's there all the time. So the question is, what do you have in your house? And the woman said, your maidservant has nothing except a jar of oil. And the prophet says, okay, Gladys, that's good enough to start with. That oil wasn't commercial oil. It was just domestic oil, cooking oil. Oil meant for cooking food and feeding a family, not oil for sale. So don't underestimate what's available all the time. So if you want to transform your liability into an asset, number one, discover what you have in your house. What I have isn't going to help you. What do you have in your house? Let the familiar become rare to you. And like this woman, even in your poverty, you've got a jar of oil. But that oil has to undergo a transformation. So the prophet next says, number two, go borrow vessels. The jar of oil was what she had, but she didn't have vessels. She was told to go borrow vessels. So there are things I have, things I don't have. I've got to discover what you do have and what you don't have. A minister will call the oil the anointing. Others will call the oil your ability, your skill, what you know, what you can do. It's what you start with. The oil belongs to you. The vessel belongs to others. God gives you the oil, something you possess. But you got to go and look for vessels. Oil is liquid, so it takes the shape of its container. The vessel will define your oil, your treasure, what you have. The vessel will also protect the oil. 
If you have no vessel, you start pouring oil, it's just going to be wasted and spill on the ground. It's a mess. Oil in a giant tanker on the ocean is a treasure, but if it spills out from the tanker, it's an environmental disaster. So it's the vessel that makes the oil, whatever you have, a treasure. The prophet says, go borrow vessels. You have the oil, you have something unique, you have something special to you, but it's got no expression, no form, no definition, and it's not protected. So at this moment, her little jar of oil has very little value. Now, a vessel doesn't belong to you. God gives you the oil, the idea, the dream, the skill, the ability. Vessels, that's going to carry it. you got to borrow that. A vessel is simply a form, a container. It's not the content. The oil is the content. The vessel's the container. Without a container, your content has no value. Sometimes education is a vessel. Training is a vessel. Style or method is a vessel. Somebody's experience is a vessel. So a wise man must always be borrowing vessels. Don't be too proud to borrow vessels. God told the woman, go borrow vessels and not a few. Okay, how do you borrow vessels? Easy. Observe what people do. Borrow what they're doing that moves you to a higher level in life. As a minister, God's given me my oil. It's unique to me. It's my call. It's my anointing. But when I travel and speak in other places and countries, I see vessels, an idea, a form of technology, a style, a method, a presentation. And I can borrow that and pour my little treasure into it to enhance its value. Are you getting it? Okay. We had a, a, a lady friend who worked at a high-end retail store in clothing with women, made a lot of money because uh, she's very good at it. And then when the store shut down, she did, out of work, what do you do? She got an idea, I'm going to get a new vessel. So she started marking herself to help people as a consultant match their clothing, put together styles for them, pick them out online. And she, again, increased her value by simply changing vessels. You can do the same thing. When I read books, I borrow vessels. When I visit other churches and meet other leaders, I can borrow vessels. When I attend seminars, when I hear another person speak, I borrow vessels. When I watch a movie, I'm looking for vessels. One idea, one thing may go, wow, and it triggers something in you. That's a vessel, right? When I went to, uh, here's the way, Here's the way in, in, in the Baptist church, we did announcements. And, and now Brother Ed's going to come and bring the announcements. And Brother Ed would come up, and Brother Ed would boringly read the announcements. And then Brother Ed would go. Well, that's just the, that was the methodology. But when I went to Australia 40, 30 years ago, whatever it was, I saw for the first time video screens and announcements and music, and color, and it wasn't like Brother Ed. It was always upbeat, excited, and on time. Brother Ed could just ramble on and on, and nobody wanted to hear it. Nobody listened. But I'm getting the eye gate and the ear gate of that. Okay, it's a vessel, you get me? It improved the quality of what we had. It made it more desirable. You can do that. The way you dress, the way you present yourself, the way you talk can elevate and add value to what you have. Sure you can. Right. Now, look for vessels. 
There are three kinds of people who will come your way in life. People below you, people at your level, and people above you. You inspire people below you. You share with people at your level, but you learn from people above you. Whenever you have the opportunity to sit with somebody who knows more than you, shut up. Keep your ears open. If you do speak, let it be a question. How did you do that? Why did you change that? What would you advise me to do in my situation? I'm looking for vessels to add value to my treasure. Let, let them loan you their vessels. Uh, you know, maybe they took six years to create it, and you can borrow it in one minute. Please remember the oil is defined by the vessel. No matter how great your talent is, if it doesn't have the right kind of form, it won't have expression. People are not poor because they lack talent. They're poor because they lack skill. Talent's God-given. Skill is man-made. God will give you gift and ability, but you have to develop the skill. Go borrow a vessel. Some of our people had their businesses uh, closed and shut down, and they decided, I know of two in our church, they went into business for themselves. So they had, a, they had low overhead now, and they had all the business they could want that would care for their family and expenses and needs, and they, they changed vessels. They didn't sit around just waiting for an unemployment check. They thought, I can still do this, but I'll do it on a smaller scale and stay busy. You've got to adapt and adjust and borrow a vessel. That other vessel's full. It ain't going to give you anything. You know, if you're on a dead horse, could I suggest dismount? <laughs> get off a dead horse. At least, at least get off of it. Those of you who work under supervisors, remember, they usually like to brag. Everybody who's on top likes to brag to those below them how good they are about what they do. Okay, take advantage of that. Ask a lot of questions. Let him or her feel so good, they'll teach you everything they know before they're aware of it. Borrow vessels. Borrow everywhere you go. See, for me, no church is too small or too large to borrow vessels from. I borrow little vessels. I borrow big ones as well. And remember, your oil will only go as far as your vessel will go. If my vessels are limited, then the flow of my oil will be limited as well as the value. If some churches won't engage technology today, they're dead. You forget it. They may exist, but they're limited because they won't engage the obvious. See, a three-hour service will definitely limit you. Yeah, some churches are down to 20, and they don't get it. It, it, it was a vessel in its day, and now the day has changed, and they won't change the vessel. So they've lowered the value of their treasure. They won't use enough. And by the way, when you change vessels, you don't always like the vessel. It's not always convenient, but it's more marketable and it's more effective. And if you're a real person who wants to succeed, that's what I'm interested in, not whether I like it or not. If I had, if some of you older people had your way, I'm just guessing now, I don't know. I'm just guessing we'd still be singing, shall we gather at the river? Beulah land, and I'll fly away. Oh, it's a sweet old song. Yeah, that was a vessel. That sucker got filled up and the oil stopped years ago. And yet some people would stay tiny for the sake of their comfort. 
But if you're going to grow, you got to get out of your comfort zone. You have to try something you haven't tried before. You know, if what you're doing is not working, for God's sake, why wouldn't you try something else? Why not? Number three, don't limit the number of vessels. The prophet said, don't borrow a few. Keep learning. Keep studying. Keep asking questions. And remember, you don't only learn in school. That's a fraction of what you need to know. You learn more about life getting wisdom that way than you ever learn in school. I think it was Coach John Wooten of UCLA who once said, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Isn't that true? Yeah. What's, what's vital is learning the skills necessary to make you flow with the oil or gift dream within you. You, you know, you can ride a bicycle or you can drive a Ferrari. I'm using an extreme example to show you well, it'll move with the tricycle, but it'll move a lot faster with a Ferrari. And maybe your marriage needs that kind of an adjustment. When we have a marriage seminar, what are we doing? Looking for a new vessel, pouring what you did 20 years ago, which ain't working now, because we all change, our needs change, everything about us changes. And if you don't stay up with your spouse or learning, your skill goes down and the value of that marriage goes down because you won't change. Every time I've ever attended one, I've always been miserable. <laughs> May I be honest? But I always learn something. Yeah. I got a vessel. And what you need to know, you know, truth makes you free, but it makes you very uncomfortable. Yeah. And if you don't, if you prize comfort, you'll never grow. You're dead already. Go ahead and have them fix your tombstone because you, you're, you're, you're breathing, but you, you died a long time ago. You got to keep changing. Same with churches. Fourth, fourth idea. After you borrow the vessels, go inside your home. What does that mean? It's about talking to the Lord privately. You could call it a prayer closet. I never prayed in my closet once. You, that's a, that's a, a form. <laughs> my wife probably wanted to shut me in a closet a few times. But it's just that alone time. It could be in your car. It could be in your house or out in the backyard. It, you, you don't start pouring into vessels that you've borrowed until you've gone into your little private area where you meet God in prayer and talk it over. That's where you build confidence in His Word and in His promises. Because although you borrowed a vessel from a human being, uh, Scripture says the horse is prepared for battle, but safety comes from the Lord. Proverbs 21, verse 31. So as much as we prepare, and we should, real success is divine. So don't just trust in the arm of the flesh. Talk it over with God. Go inside your house. Spend some time with Him. Develop your spiritual and emotional strength. Understand yourself. We all have weaknesses. We all have strengths. Learn to be God-dependent, not man-dependent. Okay? Fifth idea. He says to the woman, shut the door when you go in. When you borrow vessels and you're a widow in debt, people will think you're crazy. People who don't know where you're going always think you're lost. Noah was building an ark when there had never been rain. Abraham had no children, went around calling himself the father of many children. It looked crazy, outrageous. That's why you need to shut the door because not everybody knows where you're going and not everyone knows what you've heard. And if you're going to excel, you're going to have to shut the door to those people. Shut the door to negativism and criticism. Shut the door to the opinions of men. Shut the door to people who don't understand your purpose in life. Yeah. 
Shut the door to people who haven't been where you're going. Give your destination often. You know, when I get on a plane like American Airlines and says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard uh, American Flight 1321 to Dallas. If Dallas is not your final destination, we urge you to promptly disembark. Get off. That's important. Let people know where you're going. As a business, as a culture, as a church, so people that aren't going where you're going can get off and go back to old-time religion, whatever they want to go back to. But allow friends in who are going where you're going. That's simple. Why on earth would you pour oil into a vessel not going where you are? If all your friends are at your level, you can't move up. If all your friends are below you, they'll ultimately pull you down. So develop friends ahead of you so they can kind of pull you up and inspire you and open new horizons for you. Every change I've made that was for the better, I learned from others who were ahead of us in the kind of occupation I have. And I thought, that's a, now I'll make it me, but that's a great idea. I'm going to use that to improve. I remember the early days of starting a church, didn't know when. We had blankets on the floor up front. We had babies and toddlers. We had dogs. We, we, everybody had a tambourine. Are you kidding me? We had banners and people running around with banners. I look back on that now, and I thought, dear Jesus, burn every tape, burn every memory, every picture of that vessel. I mean, that was terrible. And in those in those days, we'd pray for, we had bodies falling all over the floor. We thought, oh, this is great. Yeah, and we never grew. But we were having fun, but we never grew. And I thought to myself, we got to change this vessel. This is not showing what we have and giving it value. And when I did, we did change, and we did grow, and we lost the ones who opposed changing that because they wanted to keep their tambourine. God help them. <laughs> Anybody can relate to that? Yeah. How about three-hour services? Can you relate to that? I, don't you like a little more casual influence now? Where, where else can you wear Bermuda shorts and flip-flops and a tank top and come to church? You know, three-piece suit doesn't make you holy. You know that. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to make you, jar you to think. That's all. Yeah, the Lord Jesus is a lot more casual than you think, you know. Man gets involved in it, and that's why you got to shut some people out. Well, I just think all that technology's gone Hollywood. That's because you never had a thought in your life. You can use technology for good. You can use it for evil. But it's just an inanimate object you can use. God doesn't put a prohibition on a 400-year-old song and say, that's the one you, that brings my heart. You must sing it. God says, sing a new song to the Lord. I think even the Lord gets tired of hearing some stuff like, oh, God, please, Lord, G Holy Spirit, go down there and help them get a new song. I'm tired of hearing that. Same old style, same old whatever. Have some friends that know more than you do. People who, when you talk to them, cause you to think, gee, I don't know anything. They will cause you to aspire to greater heights. They're going to pull you up. Shut the door. You know, some of you have too many doors open. Too many people influence you. They mess up your emotions. They disturb your mind. They reconfigure your thinking. They discourage us. And we're so dependent on them. That's not good. So we never move. But today, you can shut the door. And then number six, 
pour the oil into the vessel. As long as the widow's oil remained in the original container, it's just a small jar of oil. So it's in the process of pouring that increases the volume of the oil. It's when that oil is being transferred from an old container into a new vessel that it starts to grow. And it's the new container that will define the oil. As she pours the oil out, it's leaving its old limitations, the old restraints, the old barriers, and old hindrances. It leaves the old, it moves into the future. It leaves the familiar, it goes into the unfamiliar. But as that happens, the oil starts to grow. And whatever the size of the vessel this woman poured into, the oil filled it. But it had to leave the old to be transferred to the new. And now there's a new shape, a new definition coming to that oil. Many people have oil. They have treasure. They have skill, ability. But it's been too long in an old vessel. And that vessel is now limiting your oil. Your treasure is limited. So it's time to pour out from the old into the new. And if you don't have a vessel, borrow it. Think about this. As a church, we've had to change with COVID into a different vessel. Online social platforms, in-church platforms, separating people, completely different, right? Church will never be exactly the same. Some of it will, some of it won't. And the guys that won't engage technology and put some money into that technology will be left aside. They refuse to be poured, so they've limited their treasure. High-end, high-dollar steak and wine restaurants have had to embrace takeout. They never had takeout. Why, well, we're a reputable high... They had to when COVID hit. They had to get a new vessel, a new way to do business. Retail stores are having to adjust because of online shopping, and that was before COVID, reducing some stores to bankruptcy or limiting square footage because most women now are doing their shopping online. Women, talk to me. Well, yeah, that's a new vessel. You have to make that adjustment if you're going to stay profitable. And then bars, people that own bars are having to add food and certain variations in order to make money to pay their loan to stay in business. Car dealerships, can you imagine? We'll come get your car. We will sanitize your car. We will service your car. We will bring your car back to you. Why weren't they doing that before? That's customer service. No, because they got no money. And as a result, they got to either go out of business or change vessels. So I like that vessel. I don't know if you've used it, but I have. I like it. And if you're a working mom at an office to have somebody come get your car and bring it back to you, that's wonderful. That's really, really nice. Did I leave out some things that were going on? My wife was telling me in the car. Oh, if you go to the department store, they'll bring your clothing out to the car. I went to a shoe shop, and it, this has been two months ago when it was, everybody was still quarantined, and he said, Rick, look at all the shoes I've got unclaimed that I've repaired. He says, people are afraid to get out. I says, call every one of them and tell them. You'll bring them out sealed in a package to their car. They don't have to come in or touch anything. Get that cash flow moving. Well, I've never heard of a shoe shop bringing you shoes to you. I said, well, you're going to do it now or go out of business. You've got to change your vessel. So whether it's your business, your career, your job, your marriage, 
you may have to, you, look, you've got the talent, the skills to run your own business. If you've been a years working for something that's shut down, you still know what you knew. You might have to get a loan. You might have to start really small and start adding to your repertoire and build your own business. It might end up being a very profitable thing. I told you before about one of our members that worked for a beverage distiller for the whole state of Texas as their vice president. And when it was bought out, his job ceased. And I says, you can do this. You can run your own beverage business. You've been doing it for somebody else, making a millions. Now do it for you. Now that man owns three businesses and now has paid off all of his debt and is rolling in the cash. And we're gonna go over and ask him for some money. <laughs> and I didn't say who it was because I know he'd get mobbed. But it took me five years begging him to change that vessel. Who's begging you to change, to try to do something? Bringing some work into your home, consulting online on, on a website. See, you, maybe you haven't thought about it, and, and you're going to have to step out into the unfamiliar. Who's doing something you desire to do? Go learn from that person. King Solomon told us to learn from the ant. That's in Proverbs 6, 6. If you can learn from a dumb ant, you can learn from a human being. You know, even from an ant, God says you can borrow a vessel. Become a student of life. Study people. Let their experiences keep you from bad ones. Solomon said in Proverbs 24, verse 30, I went by the field of a lazy man. It was overgrown with weeds, covered in thorns. Its walls were broken down. You got a neighbor like that? Solomon borrowed a vessel. It says he took counsel, right? He considered it. He says, hmm, a little more sleep, a little more folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will pounce on you like a robber. Solomon's teaching us that people's defeat, people's failures can be a lesson for me. I can borrow a vessel to preserve my life if I learn from somebody else's failure. You know, I can learn from people who don't make it. What not to do? Yeah. So pour your treasure into new vessels. And then number seven, set aside vessels that are full. Set aside vessels that are full. There's a danger in staying with the same vessel too long. When you stay with one vessel and it becomes full and you keep pouring, God says the oil stopped. Now the oil is wasted. So the vessel, the method, the style, the music, the technology, etc., has run its course. It's produced all it can. It's done. It's full. So to continue to use it is a waste of time and oil. So the prophet says, when one vessel's full, put it aside, go for the next vessel. Move from vessel to vessel. Don't stay at one vessel for the rest of your life. As a church, we're going to need new vessels in the next three years, five years, and ten years. And as you move on, keep borrowing vessels so you never get to the point you have oil, you have treasure, but no expression. Many people, businesses, churches, achieve a level of success and then stay there forever. You know, remember Peter, James, and John stood with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they said, Lord, it's good to be here. Let's build tabernacles, three of them, and stay here. And Jesus says, no, Sparky, let's get down. This is just one experience. There are more experiences for you. No matter how good you had as an experience, it's over. Things change. So set aside the vessels that are full, and look for new vessels. The way you make sales calls, how you do those sales. You're going to have to get a new vessel. You're going to have to change how you do it. Because if you don't, if there are no more vessels, the oil stops. 
and you'll keep pumping that dead horse and get nothing out of it. So the life of the oil is determined by the vessel. The flow of the oil is determined by the vessel. If you don't create space, you can't fill it. If you don't create opportunity, you can't fulfill it. If you don't dream big, you can't fulfill it. If you fulfill your vision, for God's sake, get another one. If your dream comes true, dream again. Don't stay at any point of achievement, no matter how pleasurable it was. If you made record sales last year, don't camp on that. Get you some new ones for this year. You can't go back. If you stay, the virtue will be cut short. And once you begin to fill your vessels with oil, learn how to market and sell that oil. He said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, live on the rest. Now, don't sell your conscience, your values, your morals, your life, your conscience. Sell what you produce. Once you get the oil flowing and increasing, learn how to promote what you have. Learn how to make people desire what you have. And they have to know what you have to desire it. Otherwise, you have treasure in abundance, but nobody knows it. I remember in a marketing class at the University of South Carolina, my professor said, kissing a girl in the dark is like doing business without advertising. You know what you did, but nobody else does. So there's TV, there's radio, there's billboards, there's live stream, social media, Instagram, serving power. You've got to get it marketed. You know, when we get this debt down or whatever, we need a little, we need some spots occasionally on television. They have impact. I remember when lawyers never advertised at all. Can anybody remember that? It was called unethical. Now they're everywhere. Thomas J. Henry, call Thomas J. Henry. I don't even know Thomas J. Henry. I want to call Thomas J. Henry. He's on every channel, every channel. I don't know how many millions he spends on it, but it, that's all I can think about. Thomas J. Henry, my back hurts. Call Thomas J. Henry, Thomas J. Henry. He, $33 million, net $23 million to the client. And then the number to call is 444-4444, right? Come on, that's all over the place. Or call us the law guns, the Texas law guns. Now, they borrowed a vessel somebody else had to increase the value of their oil, right? You can do this. You can do it. This woman moved from liability into assets, and you can do the same thing with the same process she did. Discover what you have in your house. Borrow vessels. Ask people how they do what they do. What are their habits? What are their disciplines? What are their values? What are their practices? What are their methods? Buy the truth. Buy information because you are borrowing vessels and increasing your value. Amen. Come on. Give God a shout. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit SummitSA.com.